First impressions matter. Experts say we size up new people in somewhere between 30 seconds and two minutes. So says Elliot Abrams. Well, you've just heard the first 30 seconds of the new Dr. Cliff podcast. All right, thanks for joining me, everyone. Uh, as I said, this is episode one of, I think, what I'm going to call this episode is that first impressions matter. Because they do. And uh, this is going to be your first impression of the new Dr. Cliff podcast. I say new because about a year ago, I had a podcast. I did a full three episodes. It was uh, pretty stellar of a uh, of a, just a general topic uh, podcast where I interviewed some cool people. And it was called uh, Ready, Fire, Aim. Uh, you can actually still find it on iTunes. Anyways, this one's uh, I'm doing a little bit different. Uh, it's going to start out the first couple of episodes of just me chit-chatting and kind of talking about being a veterinarian and some of the life experiences and work experiences I have and some of the lessons I've uh, learned, some of the wisdom I've gained, a lot of the screw-ups I've done. There's, there's definitely enough, and I'm not... Uh, I'm not too ashamed to admit it and talk about it. I kind of like laughing at myself. There's a lot of uh, a lot of comedy topic there, laughing at myself. Anyways, this is the Dr. Cliff podcast, but that is a working title. I think it sucks. It doesn't really say anything. And, and honestly, although people at work know me as Dr. Cliff, uh, I'm a veterinarian at a clinic just south of Toronto here in lovely Canada. It's kind of weird. It's like I use my first name, so I'm trying to be casual and cool and fun, but I throw doctor in there because I want to be professional and maybe I'm a little uh, self-centered and egotistical. I mean, there's no maybe about it, but um, uh, so actually a lot of my clients just know me as Cliff. Uh, I just introduce myself as Cliff. Um, the only time you'll hear me use doctor is uh, honestly, and I'll use Dr. Redford. I'll introduce myself when I open up, when I pick up the phone, I'll say, hi, this is Dr. Redford speaking. It's when I know someone's going to uh, complain, but they're complaining and, and it's kind of an unreasonable, about an unreasonable issue, or they plan to question my judgment. And it's not that my judgment is so stellar and, and golden and perfect that it can't be questioned, but you know, I expect people to come into a conversation with me, at least on a professional front, at an equal footing. You don't have to be medically trained for me to consider you my equal, and I hope you're going to consider me your equal, even though you're paying my bills and helping me pay my kids going to college, uh, university here in Canada. But anyway, so uh, Dr. Cliff, uh, the podcast, it is a working title. I don't know what to call it. I mean, I could think about calling it Dr. Cliff Worldwide Vet. Um, but again, I don't want this podcast to be just about veterinarian stuff. I do plan on having guests, and some of them will be animal health related. But a lot of them are actually just going to be cool people that I know, and also people that I just meet. And I go, hey, dude, you're, you got an interesting story. I dig talking to you. I have a podcast. You want to, uh, let's grab a beer sometime and we'll talk about it or a coffee or whatever. I don't know. That might be weird if I do that, but we'll see. Um, so it's going to be about everything. You know, it could be about finances. It could be about fitness. It could be about travel. Of course, animal health stuff. It could be about life lessons. It could be about uh, bitching about your spouse. I mean, it could be about anything. So 
I'm not really sure. You know, I kind of talked about like, uh, I thought about maybe calling it Dr. Cliff on the wild side because some of my my life's a little uh, adventurous. And then there's the wild animals I deal with. See, I kind of use two uh, terms there. So I'm not really sure. So uh, this is probably a good time where I can uh, tell you guys where to reach me because you can send me some show ideas and I'll make you a deal. If I end up using your show title idea, I'll, uh, I'll throw you a shout out on the podcast and I'll send you a t-shirt. How does that, uh, how does that sound? It doesn't even have to be North American based. I can send these t-shirts anywhere. Uh, but it will be a Dr. Cliff worldwide vet t-shirt. I do not have a podcast t-shirt yet. Uh, we will see. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at DR Cliff worldwide vet. You can find me on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash drcliff. And you can email me. I'll just give you my work email, dr.redford. That's R-E-D-F-O-R-D. That's my last name. dr.redford at vet905.com. All right. Now, why podcasts? Uh, honestly, because I like chit-chatting, uh, Dr. Chitty Chat Chat, uh, you could call me, uh, and I do like talking to people, and as corny as it sounds, I like inspiring people. So, uh, now, why the restart? That's a bit of a long story. I'll shorten it up. I started working with kind of a friend of a friend, and he helped me set up this big, monstrous kind of soundboard tech thing that I had to carry around in this big, giant duffel bag. And uh, he helped me out with the first podcast. It was a blast. I had my buddy Igor on, who is a fitness and nutrition genius. And we basically made fun of uh, Good Life Fitness the whole time. It was pretty cool. And then uh, the guy, I mean, he had other stuff going on in his life, right? I mean, this is my dream, not his. By the time I did a couple more, it was fine. And by the time I did the fourth one, I had this great talk with a guy named Joel, who's a photographer. And the entire two-hour-plus interview ended up not being recorded properly and it was just a nightmare. So I stopped, uh, but I actually found this cool iRig Pro Duo IO interface uh, recording device that hooks up to my phone. And uh, I mean, even if for a non-techie sort of old dude like me, I'm 47 years old, I was able to figure it out and it's super easy. So um, I do hope to inspire people though. Uh, I hope to meet a lot of cool people, of course, direct some people to check out my YouTube channel and talk about some of the adventures we have as my daughter and I, and, and at one point my son, uh, we'd travel around the world and volunteer and save animals and meet, uh, interesting people and different cultures and languages. And, uh, it's been pretty cool, adventurous life. So that's kind of the big thing. And as far as inviting guests, if uh, you are a cool dude or dudette and feel like you want to be, you want to be talked with, uh, you want to have a conversation with me, tell your story. Maybe you got a new book out. Maybe you're a comedian, stand-up comedian. That would be really cool. I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, musician. And again, if you're just a cool person who has some fun stories, and you can uh, share them over a drink. Let's uh, let's do it. Reach out to me on Instagram or uh, or email and the things that the uh, contact info I gave in the beginning. So I think today, with it being first impression and all, I'm going to try and impress onto everybody the importance of chasing their dreams. Now I know this is kind of a common thing that a lot of self help people talk about, and maybe that's because it's it's friggin' important. Um, like you know, I hate that saying that life is too short. No, screw that. Life is long. Life is long, so you better pick something you enjoy. And 
you're going to be spending more time likely at work than you are awake at home. If you're working eight to 10 hour days, which is not unusual, especially if you're chasing your dream, uh, you're working eight to 10 hour days and you know you got maybe an hour of commuting, there's, there's 11 hours. You're going to be sleeping eight hours. There's 19. You've only got six hours at home. Did I do the math right? Five hours. You got five hours at home. So you got to pick something that you enjoy doing. If you wake up and and you're dreading going to work and then you go to work and you go shoot you're just watching the clock you're waiting until five o'clock hits chris rock does this great set where he says uh difference between a career and a job is a career you never have enough time to get your stuff done you're working through lunch you're staying late you're doing overtime you're working from home you've always got stuff to do there's never enough time i wish i could do it like his cadence and he says but you got a job you're scraping shrimp off of frying pans, scrape, scrape, scrape all day long. You got too much damn time, he would say. You would look at the clock and you go, shoot, I'm going to play this game. I'm going to I'm gonna not look at the clock for an hour. I'm just going to scrape, 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 scrape. Grab more dishes. Scrape, 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 scrape. You wait. It's finally been an hour. You look at the clock. Damn, 12 minutes. You just got too much time. So if you got that in a job... Can you imagine like you you go your whole day waiting for the, you can punch your clock and you can head home. Well, shit, then you got to get back and go to work the next day. And all you're doing is living for the weekend and you're probably drinking too much and you're watching some football on TV if you're a guy, most likely not to generalize, but I just did. Um, like it, it just sucks the life out of you, right? And that's why people have midlife crises. Um, I joke that mine's a midlife opportunity. You know, I'm finally making some decent cash and kids are all out of the house doing their own thing, being very successful. And uh, I can I can sort of chase those opportunities I want to have, right? So pick a dream and, and don't settle for it, right? That's a big, that's a big problem we have is we as in society, you know, we, 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 we grow up as children, and let's say, you know, being a veterinarian, it's probably one of the most common uh, careers that kids are, are looking to do. You know, of course, there's kids, I want to be a professional soccer player, or I want to be a musician or whatever. But like, if you actually look at careers and jobs and, and where they know sort of what the, what the path is and what it entails, veterinarian is a huge one. Every kid wants to be a veterinarian. So many of my clients or the people I meet at parties or whatever say, oh my God, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I, I couldn't because of this or I couldn't because of that. Um, and, and maybe they tried, maybe they didn't really want to, like who knows, but you know, I'm the one of the luckiest guys in the world. I have this great career that I absolutely do love. Um, so the important thing is you find that thing and you push for it, right? And don't settle for it. Like don't, don't, if you want it, uh, well, let me tell you a story. So I was, I don't want to say lucky because I, I also hate that term because luck had nothing to do with me getting into vet school. I was blessed to get into vet school, but it wasn't lucky. I worked my damn ass off. I did well in school and high school. I got into a good program at University of Guelph, Ontario Vet College, one of the top, I think it's ranked fourth in the world right now for, for veterinarian uh, schools. It's probably ranked second or third when I was there, let's assume, right? Um you know, I worked my ass off and I made the honor roll first year and I didn't do it because I was lucky. I lived in the library. I had this great roommate, Rich. 
Richard is now an emergency and sports doctor in northern, kind of mid-northern Ontario. And he and I used to study till two, three o'clock in the morning. And we had this trick that we would be taking the same organic chemistry class and we would ask each other questions. And I won't bore you with how organic chemistry uh, uh, works, but I find it fascinating. It actually helped me get into vet school because my marks were very good in that. Not so good in the history and the uh, theory of music course that I took. Um, I could have taken a kind of a basket weaving course, but I didn't. I took something really difficult, but very interesting. And we would ask these, each other questions. And if if I ask him a question, he gets it wrong. He's got to do a certain set of push-ups. If I ask him a question, he gets it right. I got to do a certain set of push-ups. And then we would switch. And it actually, I mean, it was this great way of learning. We're super competitive, both him and I. And we actually got a workout in. And it prevented us from falling asleep. So, so I worked my butt off. And I was lucky enough to get into vet school after one year, which now you can't apply that quickly. But it's a shorter program, like it's kind of all different. But as far as being lucky, like what I'm saying is not settling. You know, I, I go to the interview to get into vet college and, you know, they look at your marks and they look at your volunteer work and you do this essay and they ask me at the end and I, I interview well. You know what people say? Oh, I don't test well. Well, I test well and I interview well. And it's just, I'm just good. I'm just chatty. I think I can read the room pretty well. And they end up asking me at the end, hey, well, you know, what are you going to do if you don't, if you don't make it, if we don't accept you? And I said, ah, you know, I, I need some more bovine, some more dairy, like cow, cattle for bovine, for people who don't know. I need some more cattle and farm animal experience because all I had was cats and dogs. And I did a little bit of wild bird stuff at the college, some volunteer work. And I had worked at uh, Woodbine Racetrack walking horses. I was a, what was called a hot walker. I would walk horses when they were quote unquote hot after uh, racing. They'd be all frothy and sweaty. Uh, so you'd cool them down, right? So I had all this experience with horses. And they go, no, 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 like, you know, that's great. And, and that's important that you understand that, that you need some more dairy experience. But like, what would you do if you do not get into vet school at all? And I very quickly said to them, oh, I'm going to get into vet school. In fact, you know, if I don't get into vet school here, and although I'm from Ontario, and of course I want to go to Ontario Vet College, I'll go to Europe if I have to. I'll go to England. I'll go anywhere if I got to do it, even though it's going to cost me $50,000 a year, uh, where at the time university was probably costing me, I don't know, maybe $8,000 a year, $6,000 a year. It was, it was pretty inexpensive. This was back in the nineties. And I then said to them, in fact, I'm going to be a veterinarian, whether it's here or whether it's university of Bristol, let's say. So you might as well let me in here because it's going to happen. So I kind of rolled the dice, right? I had some balls and I rolled the dice. I just wanted to show them that I'm passionate and I'm willing to work hard and it's going to happen. And it ended up working out because uh, not only did I get in right away, but I was able to figure out what my score for the interview was. And I actually scored a 97 out of 100 on this interview. Thank goodness because my marks were good, but they weren't great that, you know, I needed something like a 96 to get in. So, so I wasn't willing to settle and, and I wasn't just being gutsy or egotistical. I was being sure of myself and, and, and sure that I wasn't going to settle for another career. Now that doesn't mean if you go for your dream and you don't get it, 
you're not going to be happy. Look, I'm going to be happy tossing garbage into a garbage truck. I'm going to be happy scrape, 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 shrimp, you know, shrimp off of a frying pan like Chris Rock joked about. But I'm much happier doing this, obviously, and, and chasing this dream. So, you know, you got to go for it, right? Now, being a veterinarian isn't all glamour. First of all, it's probably one of the jobs in North America, it has one of the higher uh, rates of depression and suicide. Now, is that because you're often working alone? And unfortunately, there's not always a, a sense of appreciation from clients from what you're able to do. Now, they're paying for them, it's a lot of money. And whether it's 50 bucks or $500 or $5,000, it may be a lot of money for them. We don't know what their problems are, right? And so they don't always have to, to sort of love you for what you're doing. Uh, they love their pet. They want their pet to feel better. So there's a lot of pressure for this job, definitely. Um, and it's at least in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. has the one of the highest uh, student debt to income ratios possible. People are, students are graduating from vet school in the U.S. with like $200,000 American in debt, quarter of a million dollars American in debt. That's like $400,000 Canadian um, because the schools there are really expensive. Um, and they probably go partying uh, in Fort Lauderdale on uh, spring breaks instead of working like I did. But I didn't really have debt when I graduated. But that's a different story for another podcast that has to do with me uh, marrying my my first wife at the time. We got married too young, but she helped pay some of my bills. And uh, and I still love her for, for everything that she did. She gave me three great children. But, um, you know, these, these, these kids are graduating out of vet college, especially from the U.S., you know, a quarter of a million dollars in debt. And at the time in 2020, they're probably going to make, I don't know, maybe $60,000 a year uh, when they first start. Like do the math. It's, it's impossible for them to get out of debt and save up for a business or save up for a house. So understandably, there's a ton of stress and unfortunately, a lot of alcohol abuse, drug abuse, uh, and suicide. It's also that us veterinarians are class A type personalities. We're uber competitive were perfectionists and uh, uh, you know we've gotten by as far as academics by not accepting failure and you come home with a 95 and you go shoot well, I missed that five percent right you know I missed that bonus question I could have gotten better than a hundred instead of just getting a hundred like it's it's kind of crazy I never really had that problem I was uh, I was happy with trying my best and and doing I don't want to say good enough. I, I worked hard and I, I did as well as I could and I learned a lot, um, but it wouldn't bother me if I got 97%. I'd be pretty stoked. Um, but there's you know some major problems with being a veterinarian. Now, this isn't a, a sympathy boohoo sort of uh, podcast. It is an amazing uh, career, but it's, it's what you make of it, right? Like it's super challenging. It's super stressful. Uh, I had a really tough day today, you know, a lot of issues with, uh, with, with major emergencies you're trying to screw, squeeze in and yet, you know, give that sort of soft touch to the, to the clients and explaining what's going on without just rushing. And it's just a tough, it's a tough gig, but all gigs are kind of all jobs. It can be tough in different ways, but it is, it's gotta, I gotta say it's one of the most rewarding jobs in the world. Um, I get to leave my job every day. And go home, and I, and this is actually how I cope. And I'd recommend you guys do this too, with whatever career or passion project you're pursuing, or wherever you are in life. 
leave the day and say, okay, did, did the people I interact with today, and this might even just be, you could be a student, this could be classmates, did you leave them in a better place than when you first saw them? And it could just be, hey, dude, how's it going? Hey, uh, how's your mom feeling? Or, hey, what did you get on uh, question three? Ah, yeah, I got that one wrong too. You know, and then you figure out the answer. Like there's something, right? You're, you're making your life and their life, more importantly, their life. I think that's important to kind of give to others. You're making it better, right? So I can leave the day and say, all right, I had all these emergencies and I had some staffing issues that I got to deal with. And I got that one client who complained, even though they didn't really have the right to complain, but they always have the right to complain because they're, they're paying money, right? Um, so all these issues, but you know, all these patients were better off at the end. Even, even if I have to euthanize a dog or a cat, I'm not doing it because of convenience. I don't do those. Uh, we can talk about what a convenience euthanasia is another time. I am, I am providing a way for this animal to be out of pain, right? I'm allowing the family to humanely say goodbye and respectfully and peacefully say goodbye to their pet. So even that is a situation where I am saying goodbye and, and I am uh, making that animal's life, if you want to call it that, even though it's ended, they, they ended better off than when they started, right? And even if it's not the patient, it's the client. I've allowed them to be a part of taking care of their pet. Uh, even if it's something as simple as vaccines, you know, I've, I've protected that animal against certain diseases. We definitely have to talk about sort of over-vaccination. And I actually had a client recently ask me if vaccines could cause autism in dogs, which I, I don't know how you could tell, um, but it was, it was, I tried not to laugh. I mean, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. I think, you know, talking about autism in children and vaccines, I don't think vaccines are hundred percent benign, but you know, there's been study after study, after study, after study showing that it does not cause autism. So anyways, that's, that's one of the ways you get, you know, you get these challenging jobs or lives or interactions and you realize they're actually rewarding. Being a veterinarian is also probably the most interesting job in the world. Uh, if you like riddles, trying to solve why the animal is vomiting up blood or why the cat doesn't want to eat is like solving a riddle. Now, sometimes you already know the answer because common things happen commonly, but I get to come home and if you know my wife goes, hey, honey, how was your day? And she doesn't talk like that. If anyone knows, uh, my kids will tell you my, my new wife has a very beautiful Greek accent. Um, so she doesn't talk like that, but I won't try and do the accent. I can't do it very well. Uh, hey, honey, how was your day? You know what happened? Tell me something interesting. And I always have something interesting to say. She may not find it interesting, but I find it interesting. So it is an interesting job. And I think that's uh, that's very, very important. That's the, that's the big thing, right? Like, don't settle. Kids want to be veterinarians. I always want to be a veterinarian. Maybe it means I've never really fully grown up because um, I still want to be a veterinarian. And considering I do martial arts and I have some tattoos and I try and play the guitar and I'm not very good. And I recently took up surfing and, you know, I keep doing the shaka symbol with my hand and dude, that's rad. I'm always kind of constantly doing new, new, new things. Maybe I have a little bit of ADD, but I'm hyper-focused. It was kind of weird. Uh, I'm like a pinball bouncing all over the place. Uh, just making a lot of noise and every once in a while I uh, override and tilt. Um, 
Uh, so maybe I've never really grown up, but uh, uh, the nice thing is I'm never fully satisfied, but I'm satisfied with my life, if that sort of makes sense. Um, uh, so you got to get out there, figure out what your calling is, right? Like, uh, uh, and, and not when you're 10, you know, not even when you're 18. Uh, you can certainly pursue things, but realize that your calling may change. Your passions are going to change. You're not the same person at 30 as you were when you were 20. You're not the same person at 40 as you were when you were 30. Um, and, and, and again, don't settle. Parents, you got to tell your kids, don't settle. You got to, you know, uh, good enough isn't, you know, it isn't good enough. Don't let them give up. But that doesn't mean you refuse to allow yourself or allow them to take a different path or accept defeat. And I might be sort of contradicting myself here, but for example, if I didn't become a veterinarian, I didn't get into Ontario vet school. I went to Europe or I didn't get apply there. I just didn't have the money. I didn't become a veterinarian. I would find another thing that equally charged my motor, so to speak, right? So it's okay to change your path, change your goals, but always have those goals. Always have that situation where you're 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 looking over the the next hill, you know, what's around that corner? What is the next thing I can do? Uh, to make my life more interesting. And it doesn't have to be a new job. It doesn't have to be a physical endeavor. You know, there's going to come a time where my hips and my knees aren't going to let me do all the sports that I want to do. So I will find something else. I, I am learning new languages. I learned Mandarin for a while. Now I'm learning Greek, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm traveling to these different places and I'm, I'm, I'm making myself uncomfortable because I'm never settling for the place that I am. You know, maybe that's my, uh, that's my dream. So that's kind of the big thing about, uh, about this podcast. That's the topic of this, uh, this episode that first impressions count, but it's also why I'm doing this podcast is I'm not, I'm not settling with, you know, being in a successful life and having a good business and, and, you know, obviously those things are great and I would be happy if everything just stopped the way it was and, as long as I keep trying and it's okay if things don't work out, I wanted to try new things. And that's where this podcast uh, podcast comes in. So, you know, the, the, the moral of the story today is, is just keep your feet moving, boys and girls. Keep your stick on the ice and keep your feet pedaling. If, uh, if you're on a mountain bike and you, you hit the water or any sort of challenge hits you, just keep on pedaling and keep on moving forward. Um, we're going to have on these podcasts... Uh, some listener emails, some Q&A sections with Dr. Cliff, and you can be sending me questions to dr.redford at vet905.com or find me on Instagram at, at drcliffworldwidevet. Uh, send me questions. Uh, it can be about your cats, your dogs, your birds, your horses, or just about life. Uh, or you can tell me that I suck and get off the podcast. That's probably one of the first ones I'll uh, I'll read out here on an episode. Now, since this is uh, the very first episode of the Dr. Cliff podcast, working title, I'm just going to tell you about some interesting stories and one interesting case that someone had reached out to me. As far as interesting stories, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everyone knows that. Uh, COVID is, I think it's killed a million people around the world. Pretty brutal. Canada is uh, handled very, very well, partially because of our... Uh, excellent uh, 
social uh, programs. Uh, there's not major poverty here in Canada compared to other places. And we have uh, universal health care, which is fantastic. Thank goodness, because all the surgeries I've had for broken bones and torn ligaments from doing uh, sports that I probably have no business doing, I would be uh, a broke uh a broke person right now, even with the money that, uh, well, I already talked about veterinarians not making as much money as everyone thinks, but anyways, I appreciate it. So we got this COVID though, and I had heard on other podcasts and hearing the news about people denying it and, and, and these anti-maskers and, and whatnot. My wife, my stepson and I actually went out for dinner a while ago and we weren't celebrating anything other than the fact that we can now go out for dinner and you got to wear your masks and you got to do all that. But we wanted to support the local economy and we just wanted to get out of the house and not have to cook, cook meals. So we, we went to this, uh, family restaurant that's, you know, slightly, slightly upscale, you know, it's, uh, there's a waiter and the waiter's wearing a tie or, uh, you know, a nice, uh, sort of suit pants or I guess whatever. Anyways, they're, they're, they're well-dressed. As we're getting there, we have to line up outside. You give your name and you wait until they call you because there's got to be social distancing. And there's these three women and it looked like, I'm going to say it looked like a mother. She was probably late 40s and likely her sister, maybe her friend, but it was similar age. And then her daughter, her daughter was probably mid 20s. And the mother turns to me and says, isn't Doug Ford... Is it Doug Ford or Rob Ford? Who's our premier? I think it's Doug Ford. Isn't Doug Ford such a wonderful guy? Now, for those of you guys who don't know, premier who he runs our province, it'd be like a, a, a you know a, a state governor. A premier Ford, his brother Rob died from cancer. He was the mayor of Toronto, but he was also uh, he smoked heroin and snorted cocaine had a lot of drinking problems. It was a very unusual sort of, he was a blue collar guy that had a lot of demons, but he, he'd made a name for himself for working hard and being a people person and just solving problems in the city of Toronto. And his brother sort of was also a, a member of municipal government, a city councilor, and had built up a name mostly on his brother's name, but the Ford family was known for this sort of hard work. Now his brother although he's this big, hefty, could definitely lose some weight, um, but, you know, sort of big, hefty guy. He was not into drugs, not into alcohol, though apparently he sold weed when he was in high school. But now that's legal, so I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a deal anymore. It's legal here in Canada. Anyways, he uh, uh, he, he became the premier. He, he was so popular that he won the leadership race for the Conservative Party. He became the premier. It was actually the first time I didn't vote Conservative in a long time, because at the time I didn't, I didn't really like what Doug Ford uh, stood for, so I didn't vote for him. I, I purposely voted for someone I knew was going to lose because I still wanted to vote. But anyways, Doug Ford. When these people said this to me, hey, isn't this guy Doug Ford such a wonderful person? I don't want to generalize again, but they had the appearance and the tone of voice uh, of the type of person that we would think would vote for Doug Ford. Anyways, so they said this to me, and I said. Well, because I didn't really know what they're getting at. I said, well, I don't know. I've never actually met him. It was very weird. Like already the sort of the, the, the alarms were going off in my head. And she said, well, it's his fault that we have to wear these masks, these ridiculous masks. Oh, I'm thinking, I mean, you're, you're one of those guys. And I said, well, no, I, I don't think it's his fault. I, I think it's 
COVID. I think it's the coronavirus. I think we can blame the coronavirus. And then they went on this rant. The three of them went on this rant about how, well, it's just another disease that governments all across the world get together and pick up new diseases to start blaming things on and controlling society. They were not making any sense, and they might have been hitting the bottle a little too early. It was comical, except for the fact that they truly believed it. They, they, I mean, first of all, can you imagine if I had like a family member who had died of COVID, what that would have done me hearing them say this? So they clearly didn't think about how asinine they're being. Uh, and then there's these, there's this older couple, uh, kind of watching us from afar and you can just see their eyes getting bigger and bigger on them. They were smart. They were backing up. Whereas I was trying to engage these people. I should have, you know, it's always after the fact you're like, Oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. But it was the most, it was the strangest thing in the world because, you know, I had heard about people not believing in, in this. And if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask, but then don't go to a restaurant and certainly don't start saying this stuff to average strangers that you don't even know like again they could have really crushed me if if this was a a situation where i'd lost a loved one to this disease so whether you believe in covid or not i don't really care if you're going to come into my clinic you're going to hand me your dog you got to wear a mask if you're going to work my clinic you got to wear a mask you're actually not allowed in my clinic right now uh we're going to keep as much distance as possible so there are freedoms but you also have the freedom to stay home and i have the freedom to tell you to uh, take a hike and and screw off. I don't have to let you into my business, but it was just a real strange situation. And as far as COVID, so later on, uh, a couple days later at my clinic, a friend of a friend of a friend, essentially, this pretty far off sort of like distance, was tested positive. And there was enough of a interaction between one staff member and this another person who might've been interacted with this other person who tested positive that uh, we decided just to be safe. There, there was a few of us that went and got tested. We had a few people um, in the clinic who have family members that are immunocompromised and whatnot. So, you know, the one person took a few days off and and we went and got tested. So for anyone out there, and this is the other interesting story, at least I think is interesting, I went and got tested. And it's essentially, you go through this process of paperwork and then you sit down and they eventually shove a Q-tip up one nostril as pretty high high up like as far as it can go they do it for like five seconds and they twiddle it around uh and then they grab another one they do up the other nostril and what i learned and what i've done a lot of things that are uncomfortable i've got a lot of tattoos again i've done combat sports if you like tense up and you get ready to take the impact it's going to hurt more Uh, i used to play hockey hockey canadian a so i played hockey and although I was goalie most of the time, you know, you learn to, to take the hit, right? Don't be far away from the boards when the guy's going to smash you. You want to be near the boards so you don't go flying. And you just take the hit, right? If you try and fight against it when this person has momentum, it's going to hurt more. So I did the same thing. And, and I'm looking around and, and there's a few people that were laughing about it. And it was actually young people that, you know, Jim Bro and his very attractive girlfriend who was there had too much makeup but either way uh they were tattooed up as well they were tatted up they had some ink so i think they they had understood the the need to just grin and bear it and everything will be fine and so they took it and they were actually laughing and then there's this kid beside me the south asian this south asian guy who's probably 21 22 and while he was waiting his legs were shaking he was so nervous his legs were shaking 
And I could hear him kind of like gurgling gasp and discomfort when they shoved this thing up their nose. So what I ended up doing was I actually breathed it in. I took this this big breath in when she did it and because I knew it would open up my sinuses. And I I too giggled a little bit when she did it. And it it kind of was like a tickle. So um there's there's another lesson folks like uh, uh accept the pain sometimes um get through it i tested negative of course i guess i could still be positive because i'm here just talking to myself so here's another very quick uh, funny story we had this uh, client in today this is one of the things i love about my job and i'm a bit of a smart ass so i like sort of making jokes but this is one that she kind of got me or there wasn't a joke this greyhound came in and uh, it happened to be his birthday today uh, his third birthday. So I'm talking to him on the phone because the families aren't allowed in the clinic. They hand us the dog. So I'm taking the history and I was like, oh, let's call him uh, Buddy. Hey, it was Buddy's uh, birthday today. That's amazing. Happy birthday, Buddy. And I sang that song. You say it's your birthday. Da-na-na-na-na. Anyways, so uh, I was like, oh, I, I hope you guys did something really exciting for his birthday. And the owner said, well, yeah. And he did his first roach yesterday. Now I'm thinking roach, like like a joint, right? Like, but I can't say that. So I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, he did his first roach. Uh, what, what, what's a roach? Because I'm, there's got to be something else, right? And she's like, oh, you know, that, that time when he's rolling on his back, how greyhounds do, they lie on their back and they stick their legs up in the air. That's called a roach. Oh, I didn't know that was called a roach. Now I used to have greyhounds and they do that all the time. I didn't know that was a, called a roach. She says, did, did you think I was talking about weed? That I gave my dog weed? Uh, wait, Cliff, can I give my dog weed? No, 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 you cannot give your dog weed. Please don't give your dog weed. CBD oil is another uh, topic we need to talk about. There are some great uh, anecdotal, but also some scientific benefits to uh, CBD oil. But no THC. Do not give your dog weed. Uh, one day I'll tell you the, the story about a person who did give their dog weed and then the joke I played on them. So now you guys know when greyhounds roll in their back and kind of stick their legs out in the air, up in the air, uh, it's this weird sort of, I think it's kind of half perverted sometimes. Uh, that is called a roach. The last story I was going to talk about was about this, uh, this guy, Sefur, who uh, reached out to me on Instagram uh, pardon me, he reached out to me on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash drcliff. He was from Bangladesh. He is from Bangladesh. And it was actually about his cat that fell 45 feet. Uh, we call these LTF cats, learning to fly cats. Uh, it happens here in Toronto all the time. We also call them high-rise syndromes. And that's sort of the spew of injuries they get when they drop 80 feet, 90 feet, 100 feet. Uh, and they do often survive it. Uh, but with many broken bones. So, you know, he had reached out to me and there's no vet in his area and, and what can he do? And I had done a YouTube video about a cat that had fallen 45 feet that I was working with a shelter and helped take care of. Uh, so I basically kind of gave him some advice and, and look, you know, it's only 45 feet. He sent me some photos. The cat had busted up his face a little bit, but all the teeth were intact. And basically the cat had landed and probably did a little bounce. It bounced its nose off the ground. I mean, he was already starting to eat and walk around, but I talked about leave him in a very, very, very small room, like a bathroom for a few days, because if there are any busted bones, you're going to, you're going to see some swelling. You're going to see some bruising. And if you really can't get to a veterinarian, I can help with prescribing some medication or give you some recommendations for some from human medication that you can give your cat. Please do not give your cat human drugs. 
whether it's over the counter or not, unless your veterinarian says so, it's okay because there's a lot that are poisonous. For example, a, a little drop of baby Tylenol will likely kill your cat. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Even pharmacists don't know that. I've had one pharmacist recommend that to a client of mine uh, many, many years ago. Uh, we had a nice conversation for me. To, I was able to explain to him why that was inappropriate uh, and dangerous. But anyways, he ended up speaking to, he paid money. And this guy doesn't have a lot of money. He's in Bangladesh. He paid money to a Dr. Google, uh, a vet on Google, male or female, I'm not sure. And they said for him to give a two mil dosage of zithrin, which is uh, azithromycin, which is an antibiotic, so a single oral dosage, and to give a single oral dosage of cortan, which is uh, corticosteroid, it's called prednisolone. It is a anti-inflammatory due to it being a, a slight immunosuppressant, and that's it. And I kind of had to explain, okay, your cat's fine, you know, reach out to me in the future because the problem is, is this vet basically said, give a single dosage of an antibiotic, which is actually bad because it's going to cause some bacterial resistance if there is actually an, uh, a bacterial infection. And to give us, you know, sort of a single dosage of an immunosuppressing drug that if your cat has really injured itself, it's going to slow down healing. But the fact that it was one dosage of each basically it didn't do anything. Like it was a waste of time and money. And unfortunately it sort of gets people used to this idea that a single dosage of something is all that's needed. And, and so sometimes uh, the vet online doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. Uh, but this guy tried his best and the cat ended up doing fine. But uh, for people out there, when you got this situation, uh, hit me up, hit me up and I'm happy to uh, happy to help out. It may take a few hours uh, especially if there's a time difference. But so that is about it. Talking about time difference. Uh, I've been talking a lot longer than I, uh, than I anticipated 43 minutes. Wow. Um, so what do you guys think about the first impression? How many of you guys are actually still listening? That's going to be the big question, but I guess this will be on the worldwide web for eternity potentially. So people might be listening to this decades, a hundred years from now, I guess say hey, hi to my ancestors. I am your great grandpa, cliff uh, that you heard all these crazy things about. Uh, and here is my first podcast and the Dr. Cliff podcast. First impressions matter. So thank you for listening. And uh, as I said, hit me up on uh, Instagram or uh, you can even comment on my YouTube videos or send me an email dr.redford at vet905.com. I hope you enjoyed it. It will get better. I will continue to challenge myself and I will never, ever settle for second rate. I will always be pushing the limit and seeing if I can get better. Uh, I am going to try and end every podcast with the same thing. Be kind to animals. I'd appreciate it. And if you don't, uh, I will find you. I have a very specific set of talents that help me find people like you. Uh, that was a very bad sort of uh, quote from Taken, Liam uh, Neeson movie. Anyways, thanks again. And I am signing out. Peace and shotgun.